1: LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, k 5 ux Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD.
2: Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 291 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. Not scientifically proven. Uh, So, anyway, this is our Weekender Edition, which means we talk about upcoming special events, Linux conferences, and all the things that we like to talk about.
0: Like stuff. Beer
2: and whiskey and food and fun things to do, Linux distributions to try, and, I don't know, just kind of a mishmash of fun stuff. And it will be a really good episode. I, I can feel it in my bones. It will be good because bill is here with us and he's out in the wilds of some goofy lake in montana and we're here just having a good old time but anyway i'm russ k5 tux
0: i'm cheryl w5 mo and i'm bill any 4rd
2: in some goofy lake in montana in some
0: anyway. goofy,
3: yeah.
0: hey we've got <laughs> lots a of rain <laughs> yeah we've got lots of rain we have our own now lake just down the road from us oh there you go yeah yeah. it's it's
2: kind of interesting i'll I'll take a brief minute to sort of divert here for a second because we we've had so much rain that we actually have a lot of flooding around here to the point where most of the roads that come into where we live are flooded and they're impassable at this time which was okay because until 6 a.m this morning right the main road (laughs) off the interstate was still open but they decided to do construction this week, so they closed that. <laughs> so
0: Brilliant. <laughs> oh, yeah. So at like 8 o'clock last night, we were trying to find access to the house without having to drive 15-ish miles out of the way. Um, so I said, you know, our only option is this one road. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm afraid it's flooded. So about uh, a fourth of the way through the water, It was up to the running boards on my SUV, and Russ was screaming, stop, stop, that's far enough, back it up. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, it looks really deep right ahead, and he's like, yeah, and we're like a fourth of the way through the water. (laughs) He's like, please back up. So I had to back up about uh, a fourth of a mile or so. (laughs) It's just like, all right. So, yeah, now we have to drive 15-ish miles out of the way to get home. So, yeah, we're not terribly impressed with that right now.
2: Yep. And while the water was probably receding today because the rain has kind of stopped and it was actually rather a nice day today, but we we're told that it's going to start up again tomorrow. tomorrow. So, um, yeah, we we may have to go the long way home for, for quite a while yet.
0: Or build an ark or, or something. Yeah. Right.
2: <clears throat> yep. We're just gonna I guess we're gonna open a marina down the street here something I was
0: actually actually I think it was in nineteen ninety three when flooding was super bad um and the Mississippi had was like flooding downtown St. Louis. The rain here was also extremely bad. <clears throat> there was a guy that lived down the road from us that had a vehicle parked on both sides of the water and actually had a boat. Because he didn't want to have to drive like the 15 miles around to get to his house, so he he used his boat to get from vehicle to vehicle and then drove to his house. But you know we we try we have tried all all routes because we are surrounded by rivers and creeks, and there is there is no way for us to get anywhere without having to drive through water. That the water last night. At the deepest part was probably waist deep. So, wow. I yeah, because I I was like, no, th- this road still goes down.
2: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, and the thing of it is, it was um, a field, like a cornfield, on both sides of the road, and yet it was, it wasn't still water it was it was, it was running water, water
0: yeah <laughs> oh geez yeah that's, that's what, what i told ross i was like i'm not so so comfortable driving through this water because it looks like it's running pretty fast he's like no you'll be okay you're heavy enough and then you know when i got to the running boards he's like all right that's far enough let's back up now <laughs> well,
2: i mean i was watching it really close they say they say on the news all the time that six inches is where it starts becoming if, if inch, you're yeah. in running water it's Deeper than six inches, that's when it can actually sweep a vehicle off the road. So, I, you know, I was trying to be make sure that if we got to anywhere near six inches, we decided to back up.
0: So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the door's like open on the car, and he's like leaning out the door, and I'm like, yeah. great. So he's gonna fall out, and I'm gonna run over him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that was our fun experience for last night. So um,
2: hmm. be that as may, um, we we still can get home. We just have to kind of go around the horn to get here. Uh, but let's go ahead and stop talking about rain and we'll talk about some amateur radio contests that are coming up over the next week or two and Cheryl's alarm just went off. So okay. <laughs> he's in trouble now. No, no, All right. So, uh, Bill, tell us about some contests coming up.
3: Sure. This week we got the RSGB 80-meter club championship. It's uh, June 27th from 1900 Zulu to June 27th, 2030 Zulu. Uh, it's on 80 meters. It's single sideband. And so this is a series of short evening contests on 80 meters promoting competition between affiliated societies. Uh, individual scores at every event count towards the society's overall score. So if you're interested in chasing some, uh, some DX on 80 meters... Uh, this might be your uh, your quick little uh, try here. This looks like the uh, third one for the year that's going on. So if you haven't been participating, obviously you have no points. <laughs> <laughs> I have no points. You got no points. I got so. no points, and I don't. I'm
2: pretty sure I'm not going to hear England on 80 meters with my current arrangement. So.
3: Yeah, yeah, probably not. So uh, anyway, so if you can hear them, this is your opportunity. Otherwise, ignore that we just talked about that. Uh, anyway, we have the Battle of Carabobo International Contest, and this runs uh, June 28th, uh, 0 Zulu, all the way to June 29th, 2400 Zulu. And this is on 40 through 10, uh, no work, of course, a uh, single sideband. And this is the Radio Club of Valencia AC invites all amateur radio worlds to take part in the Battle of Carabobo International Contest. And I had absolutely no idea what it was, so I wikipedia that. <laughs> and the Battle of Carabobo was on uh, June 24th, 1821. It was fought between Independence fighters, led by Venezuelan General Simon Bolivar, and the Royalist Voices, led by the Spanish Field Marshal Miguel de la Torre. Um, Bolivar's decisive victory at Carabobo led to the independence of Venezuela. We see how that worked out. and establishment of the Republican of Gran Colombia. I was wondering so, if you
2: were going to mention the fact that uh, <laughs> Venezuela is no longer independent country, <laughs> no longer yeah. democratically ruled or anything like that. So Yeah,
3: it worked out really well for them. <laughs> well, that was back
2: in 1821. They've had a hundred and some odd years to screw it up or
3: yes (laughs) and still doing it every day
2: (laughs) so do we know if bolivar is named after bolivar or if it's
0: bolivar missouri yeah Uh, i don't know i don't
2: i'm not sure how it got its name either
0: yeah i'm not sure let me see if i can find a wiki anyway
2: so if you want uh presumably some sort of uh
3: well it's a contest so but there's
2: no information about the contest so there's i guess there's like points and stuff
3: yeah has points and i think there are certificates uh it's kind of just dissecting it they had a mixture of uh of uh, portuguese and english in their website so or whatever spanish in their website right oh well um i
2: actually have pretty good propagation from my house into south america so i could probably work this contest kind of we'll see how that goes
3: yeah i've worked venezuela multiple times so it's not too hard to work
2: yep venezuela and colombia and chile um, i actually have really good propagation too for some reason my my antenna just worked that way i guess i don't know uh so anyway uh for next weekend we have some more contests we have the dldx riddy contest this is from july 6 1100 zulu to july 7 1059 zulu uh on 80 through 10 meters no work bands and of course it's a riddy contest which means you should be operating riddy and you put in here notes warble warble dx (laughs) So apparently there's <laughs> there's not a lot to this contest except that you try and work a bunch of DX stations on ready. So there you absolutely, go. and all, yeah, world, warbles <laughs> A link, of course, to additional information will be in the show notes. We also have the Marconi Memorial HF contest from July 6, 1400 Zulu to July seventh fourteen hundred Zulu, one hundred and sixty through ten meters. No work bands. This is Marconi contest. Therefore, the mode of choice or the only mode. Allowed is CW. The Marconi Memorial Contest uh, commemorates the. It says the two centuries. Is it supposed to be the second century, the II century, the eleventh century, the? Maybe if you cut and paste this stuff, you should actually proof it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice uh, century of radio. Why, why start now? <laughs>
2: <laughs> right.
3: Just make something up, man. It's not okay, that bad. fine.
2: The second century of radio. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Our radio's so been had, around like, for a while second century yeah. <laughs> yeah and
3: it's father guglielmo i think I think it's like the second century of radio I said the second century of radio, I know but it's like the emphasis sounds a little better. you just sounds like you said second century radio <laughs> so I, yeah that's I, it's either the second century or it's the second century of radio, right which is all one thing, yeah, <laughs> and it's father guglielmo Marconi. It's
2: a worldwide competition. Everybody can work. Everybody, but only on CW. So yeah <laughs> it did. <laughs> All right. So we have we have this long one here. Shirley, you want to read the long one?
0: Hang on. I'm I'm looking. You, I'm, I,
2: did I distract you by mentioning Bolivar?
0: No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I'm. I think there was some uh, um, issues here. I'm looking at the Marconi. It says thirty um, third edition. So did the two X's and one I get left off of that, or what?
2: No, I don't think so. I think that just means it's been running for thirty-three years.
0: <clears throat> well, I'm trying to find the century. Where did the century comment come in? Because I don't even see that on the page. Now, oh. now I'm now I'm like trying to find this. So,
2: I I think we're moving on.
0: Oh no, 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 no! It, it's this. Uh, I guess double I century radio and its father. Uh,
2: yeah we're going to call it the second century radio sure okay whatever so so tell us about this other one
0: okay so the next one is the spirit of 76 qso party it runs from july 1st at 0001 zulu to july 7th 2400 zulu uh frequencies and there's a list of them Do you want to go ahead and read all these off
2: uh, no, that's, it's a seven day contest over six modes. And those modes are sideband, CW, PSK 31, RIDI, FM, and AM. This is a 1010 international contest, by the way. So all the frequencies are 10 meters, uh, additional info on like what frequencies and all that BS can be found on the website in the show notes. But Cheryl, will tell you a little bit more about the contest all
0: righty, then it's, Yeah. It says, um, the event will run for seven days, uh, and be around July 4th of each year. Make as many contacts as you can during the week using six modes. Scoring will be as normal for QSO parties, two points for members, one point for non-members. Dupes will be allowed once for each mode. It will be possible to work the same call six times in each of the various modes for a maximum total of 12 points per call. All other normal rules apply. This will also allow members to work on their lucky 13 award at the same time we're creating activity over the entire 10-meter spectrum. If band conditions are poor and we all concentrate on the same frequencies, we'll have a much better chance of making contacts. The Various chapter nets will have the opportunity after their nets to schedule some contacts for the various modes. During the daily nets, we could schedule some activity where they are finished. When 1010 has been modified to score this event. Another program, um, 10 QSO Logger will also work for the event. The QSO Party log form and QSO Party cover sheet from the key forms page of this website may be used. Electronic logs shall be forwarded to the QSO Party manager, and there's a 1010 contest at 1010.org. Yep. So it's a
2: 1010 international sponsored contest. Everything is done on 10 meters. Uh, like I said, the, um, Standard calling frequencies and modes will be listed in the show notes. And if you want to work a ten-meter contest, there you go, July first through July seventh. And uh, Bill has gone away, I think. I'm oh, back. You're back.
3: Okay, so Bill's back. Excellent. I did go away, but now I can't get the stupid Etherpad.
2: <laughs> well, we can do a couple of these here until uh, you-, oh, you got the Etherpad. I'm getting back in there right now. Oh, my
3: God. It's amazing. It works. Oh, okay,
2: fantastic. Good. All right. Well, I'll do this first one because there's um, not a lot of information about it. And I'm going to report it the way I remember it. So if I'm wrong, uh, too bad. <laughs> anyway, we're moving on to some special event stations instead of contests. And the first one is a 13 colonies commemoration special event station. And it's actually multiple special event stations. One uh, operating in with different call signs in each of the original thirteen colonies, this runs from July 1st, 1300 Zulu, through July 8th, 0400 Zulu. Uh, the bands are all bands in all modes, basically, except for 60 meters. This is 160 through two um, on all modes. There will be thirteen special event stations from Kilo to Alpha through Kilo to Mike. For each of the original 13 colonies there's a bonus special event station kilo to zulu there's also william mike three papa echo november for william penn and then there's also uh golf bravo 13 charlie oskalima so these are all special event stations associated with this and there's a certificate that lists all the different special events and you can uh, I think you have to pay like five bucks to get the QSL card. You don't have to get all of the special event stations to get the QSL card. Uh, and there's a lot more information at the website that mentions the 13 colonies commemoration special event. So check that out if you want to. And this all has to do with the uh, 4th of July, of course. So, and then let's see, we'll, uh, we do the next one. Sure. Why not?
3: Sure, (laughs) the America Mensa Annual Gathering. Somehow this sounds smart. (laughs) So this is from July 3rd, zero Zulu, all the way to July 7th, 1800 Zulu. And the frequencies look like it's on 20 meters, 14300. I'm sure not on 300. Isn't it the maritime mobile net there or something? Um, and 14074, it's on CW and single sideband. The call sign will be K7 Mike, Kilo 7 Mike. And we'll be operating portable field day style from the American Mensa Annual Gathering being held at the Sheridan Grand Phoenix Hotel. Our purpose will be to demonstrate the capabilities of amateur radio for more than, more than 2,000 attendees. Since they're so social, they'll probably notice everything right away.
2: <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? And I couldn't actually <laughs> yeah. find a source of any information. This was listed as one of the upcoming special event stations on the AWRL's website, but there was no additional information anywhere that I could find. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's uh, listed on the Mensa website or anything like that. I, I assume it's probably not, um, but whatever. So there's going to be Kilo 7 Mike out there. For a few days so if you contact them great maybe you can show all those smart people how ham radio works I
3: don't know. oh and they're probably using the seven call because i see that's up there in new york <laughs> they're using the seven call sign probably because all the twos were taken <laughs> <laughs> who knows didn't want to didn't want to confuse people with the uh, 13 colonies going on at the same time yeah because
2: G mike is actually assigned to one of those i don't remember which one but which one? Which yeah. one was the thirteenth colony? Um, Virgin? No, it wasn't Virginia. I don't remember. I don't remember the order that they were, uh, you know, founded. But uh, anyway, uh, we also have another special event station going on, and this one is the man on the moon first communication with Earth fiftieth anniversary special event station. This is operating from July twentieth at thirteen hundred Zulu through July twenty first seventeen hundred Zulu. Uh, they have several frequencies here listed. They will be operating on CW and SSB. The call sign for the special event is Kilo 9 Mike Oskar Tango. And the notes on this are, it's to commemorate Motorola's contribution to the Apollo program and lunar communication, which is why it's K9MOT. Uh, more information, of course, will be linked in the show notes. So check that one out if you want to work, K9MOT. So let's see. Moving on from special events and contesting i mean and this is only a small subset of special events and contests that are going on over the next two or three weeks because there's always stuff going on uh but i put in here an announcement we did mention a couple of episodes back that we were looking for folks to help out with doing show notes and possibly uh website redesign so if anybody who's listening to this is really good with the web and has some spare time or just has some spare time to publish show notes it's really not that difficult we'll just give you the etherpad information you have to format it accordingly um it will just take some you know time away from the things that i have to do and i'd be very happy about that and we'll probably find some way to uh compensate said folks if they're willing to do some you know uh volunteer work for linux in the ham shack we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and if not, then we'll just do things the way they are. <laughs> so, uh, it's all we can do. Uh, Absolutely. so I'm putting that out there. And then for the Linux and the ham shack, ham radio challenge, based on, uh, all of the things we heard at ham mentioned and the fact that field day was last weekend. Um, I will just say that if you can write a decent N1 MM clone, that's Linux native and let everyone know about it, you'll be rich and famous <laughs> <laughs> or at least uh-huh. quasi famous. So. So that's your challenge, right? an then one, a native Linux right. N1 MM logger. <laughs> so, all right. So moving on, we've got this weekend in open source. We're going to get away from amateur radio topics for a little bit, and we're going to talk about a distribution that Bill mentioned in the last episode and is going to
3: mention again. That's right. It's uh, Enso OS, because we need another boutique Ubuntu distribution. Uh, This is built on the latest LTS release of Ubuntu, version 1804, and so includes all the latest security and system packages from the main Ubuntu dev branch, and these packages will be supported by Ubuntu for the next three years. And this is a system that has a UI based on uh, XFCE, so, you know, it's a little zippy, just like our Zubuntu install was, uh, but it has some modifications. It, it says it blends, uh, you know, uh, Zubuntu with uh, elementary OS with uh, GNOME or something. I can't remember what the third thing was, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, basically you get the the plunk, the plunk uh, uh, dock is in there, uh, some nice. Clean-looking UI with the XFCE, and it's it's pretty zippy. It's uh, something to check out. It's been uh, it's been hitting the news cycle lately. I'm not quite sure why. It always always kind of makes me wonder why these things surface to the top. They don't really bring a whole bunch of stuff to the table. Just it's just another way of putting your own stuff together that you can do in any distro. Right. <laughs> <So. clears throat> So anyway, go ahead and give it a try. It's something that's already pre-configured for all you lazy people out there. And uh, you can boot it up and uh, give it a try already pre-configured. So uh, and since it runs Ubuntu, you can probably easily follow our instructions on YouTube uh, that tell you exactly how to get your Ubuntu installation ham radio ready.
2: And we're going to be taking a little bit closer look at OS over the next couple of days, and then we'll hopefully report on it in the next episode, at least to mention uh, a Linux in the Hamshack readiness score. And you know tell tell you whether we hate it or not. Um, I suspect we won't because it'll probably just be a lot like Ubuntu, but there you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So moving on from that, we have upcoming open source events and Linux-based events over the next uh, several weeks, actually. There are quite a few of them coming up. And uh, the summertime is apparently really good for these. Uh, so the first one is the IEEE Cloud Conference. This is from July 8th through the 13th, 2019. It's in Milan, Italy. So if you have the opportunity to attend the IEEE Conference in Milan, I would highly recommend it. And you could probably just go skip the conference and go, go yeah, to Milan. Yeah. <laughs> so uh,
3: Go down, buy some shoes. Exactly. <laughs> Check out the Vatican. <laughs>
2: Uh, Being the first IEEE conference dedicated to cloud computing, um, this cloud conference has been a prime international forum for both researchers and industry practitioners to exchange the latest fundamental advances in the the state-of-the-art and practice of cloud computing, identify emerging research topics, and define the future of cloud computing. All topics regarding cloud computing align with the theme of cloud In 2019, we will gather to strive to advance the largest international professional forum of, on, or form on, say it with me, cloud computing. Because I don't know how many times they mentioned the word cloud in this little blurb, but it was
3: a lot. Uh, Well, the last time I was in Milan, it was cloudy. (laughs) So it's, it's functional and apropos. So, yes.
2: A uh, link to more information about the IEEE Cloud Conference will be in the show notes. Did you have something else you wanted to add?
3: Milan is nowhere near uh, Vatican. Just so you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was wondering why he said that.
3: <laughs> yeah, it would be quite a little drive. Milan's in the upper uh, northwest of the country. <laughs> it's a great airport to fly into, though. Uh, it's really close to being able to catch the uh, super train. Yeah.
2: My 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 reference Turin. to the Vatican had nothing to do with its location. <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> it's just Italy. It's right? Just Italy, right? It's a lot closer than the U.S. A small country. <laughs>
3: well, true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: All right. So let's see. Since Cheryl, you're back, you can tell us about this next conference, which is one that I have attended before. I have
0: attended this before. So the next conference is the USENIX Annual Technical Conference 2019. It's July 10th through the 12th in Renton, Washington. Uh, ATC brings together leading systems researchers for the presentation of cutting-edge systems research, and the opportunity to gain insight into a wealth of must-know topics, including virtualization, system and network management, and troubleshooting, cloud and edge computing, security, privacy, trust, mobile and wireless, and much more. The program includes a keynote address by Ramsey Arpasi-Desu from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, uh refereed paper presentations to poster sessions birds of a feather sessions or known as BOFs, and more
2: yep it's been a while since i've been to a unix conference or a useNix conference yeah. um, but i did used to go to the atcs back in the day uh, and they were always really good conferences. They used to be longer, I think, than three days, but um, yeah, I think, I think they there were, were like five four at or five, of time. Yeah. But all of the Usenix conferences have shrunk in, in size uh, or duration, rather, uh, over the last few years. So there is that. And if you want to check that one out, it's in Renton, Washington. And, Bill, you can tell us about the last one.
3: Sure, yeah. The O'Reilly Open Source Conference or Software Conference, sorry. It's uh, July 15th through the 18th. Uh, This year in Portland, Oregon, it's open source at its core of software development, but today you have to go deeper. You need to know how to implement new technologies like Kubernetes and TensorFlow. You need to work in a cloud environment that isn't always open source friendly uh, to know how machine learning can make or break your code. Whether you're looking to understand where where software development is headed or want to dive into the key technologies that you need to build resilient, useful, innovative software, Uh, The O'Reilly Open Source Software Conference is where you'll find the answers you'll need.
0: This is another conference that Russ has attended many times.
2: Uh, I'm not sure if this is the same conference. I think this is a co-located conference inside of OSCON. I think they're running concurrently. OSCON and this conference are running concurrently. So OSCON is a five-day conference. This is like in it or part of it. You know how they sort of run conferences concurrently all the time now. So um it's all part of o'reilly anyway it's all happening in portland oregon so if you want to check that out do so and portland is a really good place to go and oscon is a really good conference to attend i i highly enjoyed it so there we go oh So now we're moving on to the open source challenge for this week, which looks remarkably like the amateur radio challenge for this week. (laughs) Looks pretty
3: darn close to me. Pretty good,
2: yeah. So this one is write a decent N1MM clone and let everyone know about it. You'll be
3: rich and famous. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm thinking we need to write an N1MM clone pretty soon here. (laughs) If we do, or
2: if someone does, when – the thousands of people come up to us and ask us what's the best linux contest logger we'll actually have an answer there you go (laughs) because for the last 11 years we haven't had an answer so yeah i would love to have an answer to that question so somebody please do this
0: anywhere anytime (laughs) right yeah
2: all right so moving on we're going to get into the meat of this the meat Uh and the marrow uh, of of our program the weekender And we're going to start off with our hedonism topics with Cheryl's Recipe Corner.
0: Yes, we will. So Bill from the ICQ podcast put me on the spot majorly at Hamvention when they interviewed us. No, it was actually Martin. Oh, was it Martin? Sorry. and asked me if I had a recipe. So after they posted the video to YouTube, I posted the following recipe in the video comments. So I decided to share it with our listeners as well. I'm a huge fan of lo mein. I think Russ is kind of meh with it. It
2: depends on the lo mein. Some lo mein is awesome. Some lo mein is crap.
0: Yeah, well. So, <laughs> But anyway, this is a quick and easy recipe that takes uh, 30-ish minutes from start to finish. And it's, it is a really quick and easy. You need to, to make it the best. I, of course, I'm not going to talk about the recipe. But in order to make it the best, you need light and dark soy sauce, which, you know, sometimes that's doable. Sometimes it's not. If not, you can just use whatever you've got laying around in the fridge. So, but it's uh, need some, you know, noodles, or you can use substitute spaghetti and some veggies and some protein, and you're off and running. So,
2: well, that's it. That's all you're gonna say.
0: Well, do you want me to go through the whole recipe?
2: Well, I, I mean, you don't have to read the recipe, but I mean, what 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 did you? What kind of lo mein did you specify here? Or are you just talking I, about the no? It,
0: it's no. It's this. This is the whole recipe. You know, the soy sauce, the sesame oil, the sugar, um, you know, noodles, protein, whatever you want, whether it's shrimp, chicken, beef, pork, tofu,
1: or
2: all of those
0: or all of the above. Yeah. For veggies, you can use um, broccoli, onion, carrots, green, red or yellow bell peppers, cabbage, bok choy, mushrooms, peas, spinach, just what dig through your fridge You use whatever you you know whatever turns you on so <laughs> it's it's pretty well it and you need a little bit of mirin for it in order to make it true low main. so well and,
2: mirin's pretty accessible so
0: yeah it, it should be accessible most anywhere you go
2: yeah so, even like the asian section of your local food market should have, should
0: have it yeah not yep. not always but should if not there's some uh knockoff recipes available online.
2: So, Bill, where do you get mirin and Kalispell? <laughs> I would assume the grocery store. I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. That, that was kind of a left-field question, just because I wanted to make sure he was still paying attention. But. <laughs> all right. So, moving on from Cheryl's Recipe Corner, we're going to move into my drink corner, and tonight we're going to talk about Bullet Bourbon. Barrel Strength burl- Bullet Bourbon. And I have... My, my particular bottle is batch number five. I don't know how many... Batches there are, uh, but mine's number five. Uh Bullet Bourbon Barrel Strength is made from the same high rye mash bill as the original expression. The barrels selected were combined into a single batch for bottling in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, this version is uncut and unfiltered straight from the barrel. And each batch will vary in ABV ranging from about 118 through 126 proof. Uh my batch, batch number five, is on the high side. It's 125.4. The mash bill is 68% corn, 28% rye, and 4% malted barley, which means it's pretty high in the rye category, which makes it a high rye bourbon. Um, I'm not a big fan of high rye bourbons, and I'm pretty sure this is an MGP sourced uh, mash bill. If I'm wrong about that, somebody will club me over the head, I'm sure, but I'm pretty sure it's MGP. Um, it comes out of Kentucky in the USA, of course. Uh, the color on it, is a pretty standard medium amber color. I mean, there's really not much special about it. Um, the nose on it, of course, because it's a high rye, you immediately get hit with that rye spice note to it. That sort of weedy, it's not, not wheat, but the rye, uh, almost an anisee, spicy kind of note to it. You definitely get sweet oak from the barrel. Um, I did not look up or find how long this is aged um i believe it's not an age stated which means it has to be less than two years or more than four and i'm guessing it's not less than two so i'm gathering it's more than four um but it is it is sort of spicy and rye-y uh with oak notes barrel bitterness it does have the vanilla and toffee notes of a typical bourbon it also has a little bit of a peppery note more a white pepper than a black pepper and you also get a bready note uh, almost like an unbuttered biscuit on the nose Uh, the taste is a little bit different but it has some of the similar characteristics you get a little bit of chocolate and maple uh, mixed in with the oak and vanilla notes Um, the rye is sort of still prevalent but it's not nearly as prevalent on the taste as it is on the nose which makes it a little bit better for me uh you have nutmeg and almond in there as well and uh, sort of an essence of unbaked bread as well not quite the biscuity note more like just if you had a loaf of like risen bread that hadn't been baked yet you get sort of that with it uh the finish on it is uh definitely a high rye finish. It lasts a long time. You get that spiciness, the peppery notes, long, dry notes, a little bit of toffee, a little bit of brown sugar, and yeah, and that sort of pepper tingle on the tongue. Um, and if you like that sort of rye dry finish, then you're probably gonna like bourbon quite a bit. Twenty-eight percent is pretty high for a bourbon. So if that's your thing, you'll probably like it more than I like it um the the bottle prices on this i've seen anywhere from 45 to 60 dollars i think i paid 46 for mine uh just depends on where you are what the taxes are and all that kind of stuff and because it's a rye forward bourbon it's definitely not among my favorite i do like the fact that it's very high proof that the price is not that high and um you know it's okay it's just nothing that i would uh go out and buy like specifically just to keep on hand um but I'm glad I got the uh opportunity to try it and if you like something that's a little more rye forward uh, this will probably be right up your alley but I'm going to give it an 85 out of 100. Uh because it's not terrible it's just not really my thing. So that's that. It's good It's sort of pop. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can mix it if you want to build. Yeah. Or right. make a boiler maker with I'm one of those IPAs that, now, right?
3: that you've been making. so. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So
2: tell us about what you've been uh, pounding down while you've been out on uh, your adventure to Montana, uh, uh, like other parts yeah, of
3: Montana. <laughs> other parts of Montana. Oh, jeez. Someone's pooping out with the word pad or whatever. I did that. Yeah. No, Etherpad. <laughs> I was
0: trying to get some stuff around.
3: That's what I get. Okay. Well, anyway, yes, I'm on a camping trip, uh, sort of camping. But uh, up here in the Flathead Valley where we have lots and lots and lots of good breweries and good brew pubs to go eating at. So I've been ex- you know, ex- excitedly drinking every beer I can find. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, i am hitting the IPAs hard. I-, I found a few nice ones here, the Centennial IPA from the uh, Flathead Valley Brewing Company. They're literally a a mile from where I'm sitting right now on the water. They're just over here in Big Fork, Montana. Had dinner there uh, the first night we were here. So, yeah, I'm not camping that hard, you know, we go out to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, So, yeah, I had some beers over there, some other uh, more uh, not available things that are just seasonal and stuff like that. But the Centennial, you can actually get in a can around Montana. And that's a really good IPA. Uh, Another one I tried was the Cloudcroft IPA from Kalispell Brewing Company. Of course, that's up in Kalispell. I did avoid going into the Kalispell thing. The only thing I went to Kalispell for was Chick-fil-A, strangely enough, just because yeah, because you're addicted to know. So my daughter wanted her Chick-fil-A nuggets because that's like a big thing. Uh, every time she goes to Florida, she has Chick-fil-A. So <laughs> we make a thing of it. We come up here, we go to Kalispell, so we had the Chick-fil-A. Um, and I had these really good beers from the Tamarack Brewing Company, which really has a, a great. Um, a great uh, brew pub, restaurant, and brewery. And it does a does really good beer. In fact, I'm, yeah, you know, where I'm sitting, I've been sending some pictures and stuff like that up in uh, our Discord. And literally right across the uh, lake, which is uh, probably about like four miles as the uh, crow flies there, but you have to drive around. Is their brewery, um, and restaurant. And I had their uh, open road cold brew coffee stout. Uh, That's one beer I had from them. I actually have four more sitting in the refrigerator in the camper, and I'm going to enjoy those later. But I figure, since we just got out of hockey season, right? And you guys had a big yeah, win. We had a
0: big, huge win.
3: Yeah, big, huge win in uh, the, the misery state. <laughs> uh, I figure I would mention another one that I just got down to my like third can. That's why I'm talking like an idiot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in short time here from the Tamarack Brewing Company. It's called the Hat Trick Hop IPA. Of course, it's an IPA, and it's loaded with three types of hops. It's a 7% ABV, 70 IBUs, and uh, this is actually in a 16-ounce can, so this is a nice size can. And uh, they say, why a can? Well, it makes sense. Really, cans are easily recyclable, crunched down, and are lighter for the outdoors. Because that's what we do. We drink them here right by the lake. And also, you know, cans can float if you accidentally drop one in the lake. But you wouldn't want to do that. So <laughs> keep it in your hand and uh, and uh, you know down your throat right. here. So uh, here's some directions. Home usage. Pour ice cold brew slowly into pint glass. Kick back and enjoy. Two, place empty can into recycling bin and pat yourself on the back. <laughs> Out- outdoors usage, crack open can, enjoy, preferably after you lace up your skates. I'm assuming that's for uh, skating, hike hockey, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, the great hockey, love it. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. And then a crunch can, place it in a recycled bag and then u- or use as an impromptu hockey puck. Nice. <laughs> there you go. So, so there you go. This is like a multi-use can here that this beer comes in mine is unfortunately very very empty it's a really good uh a really good ipa um 70 ibus i believe it it's it's pretty uh pretty bitter but it uh it's 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 very tasty it uh it holds quite well i actually had one uh over there uh at the brewery uh i think we went there it was yesterday or the day before for lunch something like that um and it had like you know the IBUs were question mark question mark question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my favorite kinds of uh, of IBUs to actually drink, and that one was really good too. And uh, it had a funny name. I did take a picture of the the sign, and I am gonna find it real quick here. It's like, uh, uh, uh come on, come on with me. So here,
0: follow the yellow brick Follow the other big-
3: yeah, <laughs> thats it, zoom in it's called you cannot a uh, b u you cannot a uh, b u i p a you cannot nice. a uh, b u gotcha <laughs> yeah so e u k n a n o t dash uh a dash b u <laughs> and it was eight point something percent i think eight point seven percent with a the big fat question mark on the i b u in uh the, in their list there and uh yeah it was a big day they had uh, growler fills for um I think they were nine dollar growler fills uh running their special yesterday too. So um but very good. Yeah, yeah, having fun here and uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Enjoying enjoying the flathead and all the beer that is to be had here.
2: Uh so what was the name of that
3: beer? This one is the Hat Trick Hop IPA. And what what was the IBU on it? This one's 70. Ooh.
0: <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> All
3: right. Well very good. At least you're
2: getting a good beer sampling in while you're glamping. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am glamping. <laughs>
3: I still have a pop-up in my garage if I sort of half glamping and then uh <laughs> Like uh, I was joking with my wife, she you know worried about bears and stuff like that, and I'm like, yeah, well, we're in a camper, we're not going to get any bears. I was like uh, you don't want to go camping with me in the backcountry where I only bring a tarp, I don't even bring a tent.
0: <laughs> nice. I just
3: I just keep the rain off of me and the and the dew off of me in the morning, and, but I don't I don't use a tent at all when I go backcountry camping where you are going to have bear <laughs> crawling <laughs> all over your crap. Right. <laughs> it's like why bother ruining a good tent, you know he wants to sniff you <laughs> a little
2: sniff you <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks to jonas for for the term glamping so well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and while we're talking about folks in the chat room we should mention everybody who was in there tonight we had jonas we had don kb2ysi don kc9zmy ted WA0EIR. jim ve 5 ev and fred into nrv uh, thanks everybody for tuning in to this episode of the weekender and i think what we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and wrap it up and let everybody get on with their weekend including bill um who's probably going to pound out a few more ipas and like sleep under the bears i mean stars
0: uh, <laughs> by, by the way i just looked up your uh your bullet it says this comes from a blend of barrels which are five to eight years old
2: okay yeah fair enough i said it was either less than two or more than four and i suspected more than four so yeah, yeah. uh okay very cool And that's it. This has been a shockingly mediocrely produced uh, version of Linux in the Hamshack. Episode number 291. I'm Russ,
3: K5TUX.
0: I'm Cheryl, W5MOO.
3: And I'm Bill, NE4RD73.